Chris Chang and Phillips, and this is Let's Find Out, a podcast about the history of Edmonton, Alberta, or Amiskwichiwa Skygon, on Treaty 6 territory. Let's Find Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. We take questions from curious Edmontonians about local history, and then we find out the answers together. This is the final installment of three episodes we're doing this month, checking back in on some past stories. This one is about a puzzle that we never solved because someone else did. And it starts out, as so many stories do, admiring the soundproofing panels that my friend Morgana salvaged for my office. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, so it's... Man, she's the coolest. She does so many cool things. Yeah. And except this time, I've got a guest who knows her too, because we all used to work on the same radio show together. Uh, my name is Kyle Muzika, and I am an associate producer at CBC Edmonton for Unreserved. And uh, you're, you're prepping for headed down to New Mexico, it sounds like, for a cool story. Yeah, we're heading down for, for a couple of days. Um, very, very thrilled to be down there and especially get rid of this weather. It's tough. <laughs> it's, it's a challenge. But I'm really excited to get down there and, and, uh, and just sort of, I guess, get a little bit of experience. And, and most of all, I'm really, really excited to, to see this Comic Con. It's the Indigenous Comic Con. It's going to be a blast. I'm really, really thrilled. You're in in some ways kind of living the dream of journalists in their early careers. Of you actually get to do in depth, interesting stories, not just like reporting on press releases and stuff. Yeah, I it was funny because I it was a challenge for me to like I, when I first got offered this job, I was you know I was weighing my options, and I I didn't expect any of this like to be able to go out and actually very regularly travel for work. And yeah, you're right. It's you get a little bit more time to actually work on stuff and it feels like you're doing stuff of value. So yeah, I super love it. Cool. Um, and we know each other, of course, from back in CJSR days, working on Terraforma together. You were the one who introduced me to Andrew Ference, which I will never forget because then he got traded to Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that's like, it's a good memory that you have of me. I, I like that. <laughs> I like that that's in your brain. That's great. Um, okay, so uh, Kyle, I asked you here because um, you got connected after the fact to a story that we'd been uh, working on on Let's Find Out. Um, uh, it, it wasn't the main body of the story, but it was something that we sort of had a question mark and you answered the question afterwards, which is pretty cool. Um, so back in the second episode of the podcast, uh, Bashir Mohammed and I were trying to find out whether Edmonton had ever had a black public school trustee. We were at the Edmonton Public School Board archives and they had like a file of stuff relating to black students, basically. Um, they didn't have anything specific about the trustee question, but um, in this big folder, they had um, photos and records um, that spoke to some of the students that had moved through the system over the years. And one of the things was this photograph um, from uh, a school, and this was in 1932, and uh, this it's it's a class photo. There are four rows of kids. All of the boys in the uh, class picture are white, except for one kid in the very front row, um, with his knees kind of up to his chest, looking straight into the camera. And the photo isn't it doesn't have names directly linked to who's in the in the uh, picture. Um, so Bashir and I are really curious who this kid was. We tried to look through the yearbook that that matched this class. And our best guess, um, well, I, I mean, do you, maybe this is where you come into the story is like, do you want to, do you want to explain like what you knew when you kind of got involved? Sure. So I was looking into this for, for a story and 
people had you guys had come to the conclusion or had at least guessed that his name was Stanley Petherbridge. And I, I think the reason why you guys may have thought that was because of the each person had a quote mm-hmm. right beside their name. So it wasn't linked to a person, but it had a quote. There would be like, you know, so and so is going to be a very successful shoemaker or something like that. And right beside Stanley's um right beside Stanley's name was Stanley Pretherbridge was walking down the street with the birth of a nation behind him, um, which obviously has some connotation there. And I, I think it was something that I was like, wow, this is, that's very, very strong. And you can see the look in his face. He kind of just in that particular photo, just sort of looks a little bit, uh, I don't know if it like concerned maybe, or, you know, has a, has a, a like a certain look on his face. It doesn't seem like he's comfortable. Um, and, and the movie um, is, is, like that would be a, quite a statement. It would be like quite a defiant statement because it was a white supremacist movie promoting the Klan and specifically making black people look terrible. Yeah, exactly. And and so it was a pretty good guess. Um, so I was really curious about that. I wanted to look into it a little bit more because we needed to make sure that this was in fact the kid. And if it, if it was the kid, then if that was his name, if it was Stanley Petherbridge, I wanted to maybe track down some family, talk to them a little bit about you know, what they know about, you know, Stanley. Um, and that was sort of where I ran into a bit of, ro- of a roadblock. I was looking up people, you know, you know, in ancestry sites and obituaries and Facebook and pretty much every tool at my disposal. And all of the Heather Bridges, save for one or two I could find, were all white. And I couldn't really figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was when I started to dig a little bit more. Why were you involved in this at all? Like, why did this matter to you? Well, I was looking at, I wanted to do a series on, I mean, Bashir's uh, work on black history in Alberta really inspired me. He was just doing a lot of really great work and a lot of uncovering a lot of stuff that I had never even heard about before. And so I assumed that if I hadn't heard about it before, maybe there's probably a lot of people out there who haven't heard about it. And just judging by his, like the traction that some of his threads got it seemed like there was an audience and an appetite for it so that was why I was looking into it and this was the story that really piqued my interest and this this was why this was the first one that I looked at tell tell me how you figured out how to find out an answer because I uh, you pretty much used all the avenues I would have thought of um looking uh, up like family connections and there didn't seem to be a clear link between the photograph and any specific individuals in the picture, but you figured out another avenue. Yeah, so I actually live right beside the Edmonton Public School Archives. Oh, cool. And so I I was just walking by one day and I thought, you know, maybe that might be an avenue that I tried. So um, super great shout out to Brett from the Public School Archives because he was a massive help in this. Basically, all I wanted to know was I, I sent him the photo in an email and I called him and I said, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a, a boy named Stanley Petherbridge. Can you tell me anything about what you know about him? He said, I'll get back to you. So, you know, after, uh, you know, a couple of visits and, and whatnot on a couple of days, he gets back to me and says, so he what he did was he took the records, um, like the medical records of that would have been attached to this school year photo. And each of them have like their name, their parents, and stuff like that, and their ethnicity. And so all of the kids had ethnicity white, except for one. And the ethnicity was quote unquote African, but it wasn't Stanley Petherbridge. His name was Edward Bailey. 
And so we got when I when I got that, I was shocked. I was like, I couldn't. I looked up Edward Bailey's name on the underneath, and it was like, I think Bashir might have included it. There it is. So 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 Edward's quote, you know, underneath all the picture, it was. Edward is retiring from the shoe business. So really mundane and not nearly as interesting as the other one. But I mean, it still raised a couple of other questions, right? When we got all the, all the records, it was great. Wow. Uh, yeah. That moment of like figuring out, um, by process of elimination, there's no way it could be anybody but him. That, that must've been a pretty cool moment. Well, it was, and it was disappointing in a way because it, it, it essentially killed the story that I that I was looking at, right? It it was that particular quote that interests me. But then looking into a little bit about who Edward was, it was also kind of fascinating to kind of find out all the like I don't know if you if you saw the and we can talk about it, but the the document that that they sent, which is this one here. I haven't seen the full document. So the full for the full document has uh, a, a bunch of weird information. Like he had um, Edward actually had an umbilical hernia when he was younger um, that was listed on the health report and it had all of his grades. It was like a one-stop shop for information for people. It was fascinating. Um, And so it just sort of, it became less about the quote and more just sort of about, you know, how he coexisted at a time where, you know, there was plenty of racism going on, open racism going on in the city. Wow. Um, It's wild that that kind of document existed and also i mean as as someone who digs through historical archives it feels like oh this is so wonderful that that exists to look through in an archives but also i mean as his family i mean that that must be feel very personal to have on display somewhere there well absolutely and and you know it was interesting i mean they have um they have the parents names so his dad's name is rob his occupation was a miner so you know you know that he worked as a miner and his uh his mother was listed as a teamster, which oh. which I think is a truck driver, but wouldn't really make sense in the context. I'm not really sure what that meant, unless it was like a union rep. I, I don't know. But That's what I would have thought. Yeah. So, but anyway, um, it's fascinating that all of this info just kind of exists in this one document. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's useful maybe for listeners to know that um, sometimes you go into a story with kind of a model of what it's going to turn out to be. And you just like, if you, if you're doing good service to the story, you let, you just follow the information that you find. You can't stay with the model that you went in with. Yeah. I mean, you really have to, because, you know, we're not in the business of making stuff up or, you know, fabricating stuff or smudging things over to make it seem more interesting. Um, the fact is this kid's quote was incredibly boring (laughs) and that's just the end of it right but um it was really fascinating to sort of come to that conclusion and sort of feel like it still felt like i I pushed the story forward Mm. you know even though it wasn't the direction i had initially anticipated it still felt like we have a bit more of an idea as to who this kid was because the photo for anybody who's seen it i i think for the most part it's powerful it's a powerful photo and i think understanding a little bit more of the context around who he was um, really pushed it forward. It's not in the direction I was hoping, obviously. We're, we're, we're sort of like dismissing this as like, uh, as if no one would ever do that. They would never write a story with the frame that they went in with, even when the facts are contradictory. But it does happen all the time. Yeah, it really does. Um, and, you know, but we have to, I think that that's a responsibility, right, is to make sure that, you know, we personally don't do it because, um, you know, 
we I think if we do that once and we get caught or even if we don't it, it ruins credibility forever so yeah we we couldn't uh, like I couldn't go on with the, the story idea that I had um, but that's okay it was it's still interesting and you know it still turned into you know what I felt was a you know a successful piece of the story so so that didn't end up getting published no we didn't end up doing anything with it because it wasn't uh, yeah it wasn't what I had initially intended I mean there was some other stuff in there in terms of um, you know getting it uh, approved and whatnot but um, that really yeah it really changed everything in terms of um, you know it being a compelling story I mean it's still a compelling story but it's not quite what I, I had I had pitched initially right did you ever um managed to track down any of his surviving family any descendants I did reach out to a couple of people um, without any luck it's it's such a crapshoot right I mean with um, you know it's funny because I'm, I'm currently doing like some some of my own ancestry stuff right now and it's just it's it feels like it's easy if you have the information but you know if you just have a name to go by and Edward Bailey is fairly common right it's it's kind of hard to be like hey do you happen to know if Edward Bailey is your great-grandfather or your grandfather or something like that um, so it's a bit bit of a challenge so I didn't end up tracking anybody down successfully but I think there are family members out there who um, probably would remember this maybe they'll hear, they'll hear this and reach out to me that'd be great I feel like the the service I think this offers maybe to the bigger picture of Alberta history is that the number of black Edmontonians who lived before 1950 that most Albertans can name, like probably they could all fit on one hand. Um, so I think it's the, the service is like, hey, maybe there's one more name on that hand um, because lots of people have like no mental picture at all of black Albertans before like before their lifetime. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, I think you're right. I think, um, that's what, that's why Bashir's work has been so important. That's why your work has been so important is that I think when the more stories and the more information that comes out about this, the more visible they become. And I think in, in this case, I mean, you're right. There's not that many people, um, who would, you know, be able to name five black Albertans from, you know, before the seventies or whatever. But I, I think the ones that are named are obviously people who are, you know, of very significant, uh, you know, historical references. But with this one, it's, he's sort of, he's just a kid, um, that is part of a really, really powerful photo, but, um, you know, didn't do anything of major historical significance that we know of, but that's okay. It's just important to see those people and to know that they existed in a time where they weren't always welcome. It's cool that some of the stories actually, yeah, kept kind of growing afterwards. Well, do you feel like, do you, do you feel like, um, do you feel like the stories that you do, um, when they do have a result or they do carry forward or they do make a change like how does that make you feel it's sort of mixed because i taking on the historian laureate role was it wasn't something i sought out before i knew that it existed um and at the time i approached it as like i'm a journalist who will bring journalistic skills to the subject of history um and as a journalist i like have have aspired to be the person who 
does the public information role, but not an advocacy role necessarily. Um, but the history world is kind of different and there's a lot more of a sort of a cheerleading um, atmosphere around it of, of like cheerleading for an outcome or wanting to tell stories that are celebratory, I think, rather than stories that are ugly or uncomfortable or whatever. So I don't know, I feel kind of mixed about it because on the one hand, I want to have an impact with the stories, but I also, I, I don't want to take responsibility for what that specific impact will be. <laughs> mm, that's fair. Well, and, and I wonder what, you know, with a the story like this, I mean, it's very, it's sort of, it's light um, for the most part. Um, and I, I think it does illustrate a specific time, but you know, not necessarily like an atrocity. Um, so I'm wondering, like, even though there there really wasn't much that came out of this particular section, like, how did you feel when you found out that this kid's name wasn't Stanley Petherbridge? Like, what were you thinking? Ah, uh, I was at first like a little bit embarrassed that we had. Um, I, I mean, we we always put a little asterisk on the fact that we thought his name was Stanley. Um, but I felt a little bit embarrassed that we hadn't thought to look where you had. I was like, oh, damn, why, we should have investigated some of those routes. And, you know, you don't want to misinform people. And I'm sure there are people who only listen to the Trusty Enigma episode who won't listen to this episode. So to those of you out there who didn't get a chance, um, I, I'm sorry. And also, you'll never hear this, so you'll never hear my apology. Um, <laughs> but I, I felt really happy and relieved that um, you were able to put some more definitive sourcing on it because, I don't know, it felt like it, it, it did feel like a note hanging in the air, an unresolved melody that I'm just, I'm really glad that someone was able to put a, a little bow on it. Yeah, it feels good that there's a definitive answer to this question. Well, I think that's a lot of what this type of history is that isn't well documented. And you can specifically think about, um, you know, people of color, you know, from the early 1900s, late 1800s, a lot of that history wasn't kept, wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't kept as well as white people were. Like even, even when I was doing like my ancestry stuff on a white side of my family and the ancestry thing, you know, like you get the little leafs where mm -hmm. people are like, this is, you got five hints that could be potentially your grandpa's grandpa or whatever. Um, my white, the white side of my family was, I had so many. But for the native side of my family, it's been a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because, like, like for example, some people would put in the, in the ancestry thing, they would put, you know, the, the man's name, you know, whether it was like their great-great-grandpa or whatever, and then they would just put, because they didn't know their name, they would just put Indian. Because they don't know their name, they, don't, they just know that it was an indigenous person. And, I, and you just, that, that's, what, that's what I think the moral of this story was for me was this type of stuff wasn't as documented. Um, Black Albertans weren't as documented as, as white people because you know they were just viewed as second-class citizens for a lot of people. And so being able to pinpoint one particular person just felt like the tiniest little win, mm. you know? Anything else you want to add? No, I mean, I guess just to, again, thanks to, to Bashir for, you know, inspiring me to do this type of work and, and thanks for having me on, Chris. Thanks, Kyle. This is the end of this series of updates and the end of season three. I've got a little peek at what comes next for you. But first, I'm a politics junkie, but even I don't have time to follow all the ins and outs of what's happening at Edmonton City Council. 
Luckily, one of the new Alberta Podcast Network members has you covered. Speaking Municipally is a bi-weekly podcast with quick rundowns of everything you need to know about what's going on in City Hall. It's hosted by Troy Pavlik and Mac Mail. The show is refreshingly breezy, and they're really into fruit and vegetable puns. And their latest episodes are about a new innovation hub in the city and how it is not happening. They offer a helpful view from the ground floor in council chambers, helping you understand where our city is headed. If this sounds like your jam, head to speakingmunicipally.taprootedmonton.com or look for Speaking Municipally on your favorite podcatcher. We also want to let you know about the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation, an affiliate of the Alberta Podcast Network. It's hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden. Basically, the Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast follows up on how those endowments are making an impact in the community. Like, I was listening to an episode the other day about the McTaggart Sanctuary along White Mud Creek Ravine here in the city. And Malcolm Azania did this story about walking through there with his kids and soaking in all the larches and the wildlife because the Edmonton Community Foundation supports the Edmonton and Area Land Trust who manage this stretch of ravine. And it inspired me to go outside and take a hike through there myself, see what it was like. And I saw a woodpecker and a muskrat, and it was great. Read the show notes and subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. All right, so back to the show. Basically... After 30 episodes, I'm taking a little break for the first time, mostly to drum my fingers together mischievously and plot the next season. I've got an idea for a whole season with one big theme. I'm going to need your curiosity and enthusiasm and most of all your questions to make it happen. We're going to kick things off with another live get together. I will have more news on that down the road. So stay tuned or I guess stay subscribed and pat yourselves on the back for a job well done following us along on this journey so far. Thanks for listening to Let's Find Out. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line at chris at letsfindoutpodcast.com. You can download all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher, and also at letsfindoutpodcast.com. Thank you to those of you who added new reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't yet, please do. It helps a lot with helping new listeners find the show. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Let's Find Out Podcast. Thank you to Kyle Mizika and to Bashir Muhammad. Thanks to everyone who's been supporting this podcast, especially Finn. Original music for this podcast is by the always lovely human being, Doug Hoyer. Artwork for our logo by Andrea Herji at Mount Pioneer Design. All right, that's it for this episode. Until next time, keep your questions coming.